Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you on the number one progressive radio program in the United States. Professor Robert Reich laying out for us not just the rationale for breaking up big companies and no longer tolerating basically every single industry in America being cartelized, three to six major corporations that basically control the industry. I point that out because we're at one of those moments where activism is going to be really important with regard to health care. This hospital, this is the DeVos wing of a hospital that does transplants. Yes, as in Betsy DeVos. I think it was funded by her husband or father. But yeah, this is the Richard DeVos Heart and Lung Transplant Clinic of Spectrum Health. And they sent a letter to this woman who needs a heart transplant. Your medical situation was presented to our multidisciplinary heart transplant committee on Tuesday, October 20th, 2018. The decision was made by the committee that you are not a candidate at this time for a heart transplant due to needing more secure financial plan for immunosuppressive medication coverage. The committee is recommending a fundraising effort of $10,000. If you have any concerns or questions, please call the transplant office at 616-391-2802. We thank you for the opportunity to participate in your care. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. And it's signed Katie Van Decker, RN. There's no other country in the world, no other developed country in the world, where when you need a heart transplant, they say, this hospital will not give you a heart transplant until you get a GoFundMe page going and you've raised at least $10,000. We're literally the only country in the developed world that does that. Literally. Meanwhile, Mike Ludwig over Truth Out writing about Nicole Holt-Smith. Nicole Holt-Smith showed up at uh, Sanofi, if, if I'm saying that right, S-A-N-O-F-I, Sanofi, Sanofi, I'm not sure, but it's one of the largest uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers in the United States. Along with Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk, these three companies control most of the insulin production and sales in the United States. And Nicole Holtzmith showed up at their headquarters in Cambridge, Mass., with the ashes of her dead son, Alec. He had a modest income as a restaurant manager, and his employer offered Republican health care, right? Low premium, high deductible health care. Oh, you have health insurance? It's Trump insurance. Trump care. That's what he had. And she says, for Alex, this meant that his insulin supplies cost almost $1,300 a month. He and I together researched options for months in advance about his health insurance options. They weren't good. The best plan we found would cost him $450 a month for the premium with a whopping $7,600 deductible. That deductible meant he would be paying out of pocket for his medicine for so many months anyway, so he decided to go without a plan until he could find a different job with better benefits. With the cost so high, Alec tried to ration his insulin. I have since learned that this is not uncommon. Globally, half the people who need insulin can't reliably get access to it. With 6 million people in the U.S. insulin dependent and nearly 40% of Americans uninsured or facing high deductibles that leave their medicine costs uncovered, the crisis is occurring right here, too. And her son, because he was cutting up his insulin doses because he couldn't afford it, died. She was joined by parents of two other young people who similarly died along with Democratic Socialists of America and Physicians for National Health Program. Police blocked protesters from approaching the Sanofi office. 
And security guards at Santa Fe turned the parents away from the front door, threatening them with arrest. They were trying to give their children's ashes to the company that killed them. And Mike Ludwig notes in the article in Truthout, a vial of insulin that once cost $25, and I should add, probably cost less than $5 to manufacture. A vial of insulin that once cost $25 now goes for about $500. The activists are demanding that Santa Fe immediately lower the price of its insulin products by 90%. Meanwhile, last March, this from Marshall Allen over at ProPublica. Last March, Tony Schmidt discovered something unsettling about the machine that helps him breathe at night. Without his knowledge, it was spying on him. From his bedside, the device was tracking when he was using it and sending the information not just to his doctor, but to the maker of the machine and to the medical supply company that provided it and to his health insurance company. Schmidt is 59. He has sleep apnea. He uses a CPAP machine so that he can, you know, not have a heart attack, breathe well, stay awake during the day. But now that his health insurance company knows and knows how much he's using it and how often he wakes up, they know what kind of risk he has for heart disease. These things are expensive, by the way, but they're spying on you. The headline over a ProPublica, you snooze, you lose. Health insurers make the old adage literally true for sleep apnea. Uh, sufferers. In an email, a Blue Cross Blue Shield spokesperson said it's a standard practice for insurers to monitor sleep apnea patients and deny payment if they aren't using the machine. And privacy experts said that sharing the data with insurance companies is allowed under federal privacy laws. A ResMed representative said once patients have given consent, it may share the data it gathers with the patient's doctors, insurers, and supply company. It's amazing. He uh, turned the machine in and got one that doesn't connect to the internet. Meanwhile, uh, remember George Bush's Carlisle Group, George Herbert Walker Bush, was the head guy at Carlisle Group for a while after, after being president. Carlisle Group acquired a nursing home, HCR Manor Care. It's the second largest chain of nursing homes in the United States. They bought them out. They sold the land to themselves, to the, to the hedge fund. They then started charging the company rent. There's 25,000 patients in these places. And the companies couldn't pay the rent, and they no longer owned their own land. This was a healthy company before, uh, before the Carlisle Group came in. Carlisle Group skimmed $1.3 million off the top and gave it to themselves. And ultimately, this Manor Care nursing home chain filed for bankruptcy in March of this year. Turns out, this is by Peter Wierski and Dan Keating over at Washington Post. The number of health code violations found at the chain each year rose 26% between 2013 and 2017. These are the years when the Carlisle Group had taken it over. The rise in health code violations at the chain began after Carlisle investors completed a 2011 financial deal that extracted $1.3 billion from the company for the investors, but saddled the chain with what proved to be untenable financial obligations. Shortly after the maneuver, the company announced hundreds of layoffs over the next several uh, years, cost-cutting programs followed. Uh, Sean and I saw the exact same thing when I was doing my show at KPOJ, and she was working there helping us with the local show as well as being the executive producer of this program. When we started there, there were 13, 15 people in the newsroom, something like that, 30 or 35 employees overall for what was then Clear Channel. Bain Capital comes in, Mitt Romney's company buys it starts massive layoffs, and when we left, I think there was one or two people in the newsroom, they were down to just a, a skeleton crew. Because Mitt Romney and his billionaire buddies had to extract, and, and of course, Clear Channel ended up bankrupt. In fact, they've been bankrupt twice. And it's like every company that one of these private equity companies touches gets destroyed, and now they're doing it with healthcare. And meanwhile, this is amazing, Lee Fong writing over at The Intercept, Internal strategy documents obtained by The Intercept reveal the strategy that private health care interests plan to use to influence Democratic Party messaging and stymie the momentum toward achieving universal health care coverage. He points out 48 incoming Democratic freshmen campaigned on Medicare for All, 123 already sitting House Democrats co-sponsored Medicare for All legislation. The campaign is, quote, designed to change the conversation around Medicare for All and minimize the potential for this option in healthcare from becoming part of the National Political Party's platform in 2020. They've created this new group 
It's called the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future. And they are lobbying Democrats like there is no tomorrow. Lee Fong notes private health care lobbyists are confident that they can prevent any federal expansion of Medicare in Congress, given Republican control of the Senate and the White House. They just, you know, Republicans do not believe that the government should do anything that can be done by private industry to make a dollar. And they don't believe that human life is sacred. If they did, they would want everybody to have health care. But no, they don't, you know, humans, are you kidding? So what do we do about this? How do we stop the healthcare industry from destroying us? We'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman program. And this and this organization is not just lobbying Democratic politicians, they're lobbying the media as well. They've got a major media campaign going. Sue in Fort Worth, Texas. Hey Sue, what's on your mind today? Well, I my concern is we don't have a health care system. What we have is a health insurance industry that exists to reward stockholders and to reward executives with these huge multi-million dollar salaries. Our doctors, I doubt that there's a handful of doctors in the United States that make even one million a year. They make like between 150 to three or 400,000 a year. These health insurance executives all down the line make multi-millions. And I don't find many people that know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. You know, Stephen Hemsley, the CEO of United Healthcare, which makes a lot of money with Medicare Advantage programs that are, in my opinion, a scam, has taken over a billion dollars from that company in compensation. The CEO before him, they called him Dollar Bill McGuire, he took $1.7 billion. The federal government convicted him of fraud, and he had to give back about $300 million. So he walked away with $1.4 billion. I'm not sure if they convicted him or if they just made him give the money back, but whatever. I mean, it's mind-boggling, Sue, and it looks to me like there's a small number of players here. You've got the doctors, of course, and they regulate access to doctors through the number of people that they'll allow to graduate from medical school, but they're not the principal villains. You've got the hospital, the for-profit hospital industry. You've got the for-profit drug industry. You have the for-profit insurance industry, health insurance industry, and you have the for-profit medical equipment manufacturing industry. Those four industries in collusion with the doctors in many cases, have been working to raise and maintain our health care costs to the point that we now spend more than twice on health care on a per capita or, or as percentage of GDP, either, either way, basis than any other developed country in the world. And we have still some 30 million, maybe 40 million people who are uninsured, and at least half of us are underinsured. And people just shrug their shoulders. It's, this, is, this is a frigging crisis. And legitimate claims are denied. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, this woman who's, who needs a heart transplant. Yes, you absolutely need a heart transplant, but we're not going to give it to you until you do a GoFundMe page and raise 10000 bucks for the immunosuppressive drugs, which probably will sell for $10,000 and probably cost you know, $200 to make. And we're probably developed, uh, as, as the vast majority of drugs are, with grants from the National Institutes of Health right, in, in, in American universities. They medical loss. Yeah. They lessen medical loss so they can increase the stockholder's dividend or whatever. And in the process, Americans are dying. Yes. In the absolute process, Americans are dying. We have infant mortality rates that rival the third world. We've got maternal mortality rates, mothers dying in childbirth in parts of this country that rival the third world. We've got people who are literally going to sleep hungry. We've got people going to sleep knowing that they've got a lump in their breast or a lump in their testicle or there's something going on, but they're afraid to go to the doctor. They can't afford it. They're afraid of what might happen. And by the time they go or their bowel habits have changed and they don't, they suspect maybe they have colon cancer, but they don't know. And by the time they go in and finally go in, when it gets just to the point where it's so painful they can't ignore it anymore, it's metastasized and they're they're going to be dead in six months. I mean, this is, thank you, Sue, for the call. This is the state of health care in the United States right now. This is terrible. You spend every day in your office chair. That's over 2,000 hours a year. So if you're spending all that time in the wrong chair, is it any wonder why you're sore and tired at the end of the day? Ditch that no-name, one-size-fits-all superstore chair and trade up to the X chair. When you feel the X chair difference, you'll understand. My X chair is the most stylish chair I've ever owned. 
Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. Switching to the X chair, I'm more productive and have more energy. I love my X chair and you will too. X chair is now on sale for the holidays, so buy one for yourself and one for someone you love. X chair is now on sale for $100 off. So call 844-4X-CHAIR or go to xchairtom.com, that's xchairtom.com now, to save 100 bucks. And here's a special deal just for my listeners. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and they'll even throw in a free footrest. Go to xchairtom or call 844-4X-CHAIR and use the code TOM for a free footrest. That's xchairtom.com, 844-4X-CHAIR. Welcome back, Tom Harbin here with you. Okay, we've been talking about uh, healthcare and this group that has been put together by these multimillionaires and billionaires in the health insurance and the hospital and pharma industry, this new coalition to lobby the media and the Democrats, right? They all already own the Republicans. They don't need to lobby the Republicans, they completely own them. To make sure that we don't actually ever end up with comprehensive national healthcare system, Medicare for all, because of course that's gonna diminish the profits of the for-profit industry. Sean in North Platte, Nebraska. Hey, Sean, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's up? Hey, um, Tom. I enjoy your show. Thank you. I have been on Social Security Disability since 2010, and I really like my Medicare. I mean, I've been more successful at a part-time job, and I have more of a life and I'm able to pay all my bills, and it's, it's much better than years ago when I was working for Walmart. I couldn't make ends meet. I couldn't pay bills. My grandparents helped me with a third of my rent. I mean, I, wow. if I didn't have that help, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't be making it. I might be living in a cardboard box and paying $150, $200 for bipolar medicines and paying, yeah. paying like, you know, it, it, these pre-existing conditions are real, and capitalism does not work. I mean, it is, I mean, when you have, I mean, I just, I just, I, I know we need more democratic socialism. It really works. Yeah. I mean, I, I although, although Medicare. Sean, democratic socialism does not rule out capitalism. What it does is it regulates capitalism. The problem isn't capitalism. It's unregulated capitalism. And capitalism is always going to fight for deregulation. It's baked into the cake. And if you okay. want to have a functional society where the capitalists don't end up owning the society, which is called an oligarchy, then you have to have regulated capitalism. And the fact that Trump and the Republican Party can run around, you know, beating their chest and saying, look at all the regulations we got rid of. You know, this should be a warning to us. I mean, we should be going, well, wait a minute, you're deregulating capitalism? That's going to destroy us. That creates an oligarchy that strips the average citizen of, of their individual personal power. You know, this lack of regulation. So people don't yeah. get it. Sean, thanks for the call. back. Tom Harbin here with you. And let's check in with uh, Alan Ratner and Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen's new book, Loving What You Do, available at all your local uh, book uh, resources. Ellen, hey, welcome. What's going on in the world today? Thank you. Well, I'll tell you, before I go into the news, yesterday was Giving Tuesday and, of course, Goats for the Old Goat, where we get a lot of visitors from the Tom Harbin show. Uh, but yesterday was the day, and I'm also wearing a beautiful heart. There are Swarovski crystal hearts. We bring over the hearts to South Sudan. The women make the hearts, and the women have seen somebody killed in front of them. They're part of our post-trauma stress program. And we're the only animal group that gives people a photograph of their goat and the recipient, so you know where your money's going. Okay. Right. And, now these, and, if I, and if I may, these are milk goats, not meat goats, number one. And, right. and, and number two, you personally are buying the Swarovski's crystals, you're taking them over to South Sudan. These women are, are sewing them together into these beautiful heart necklaces or pins. Those are offered on your site with, I think it's a $25 contribution or something like that. Right. Goatsfortheoldgoat.com. Right. And this is, and all of these were made by women who have seen somebody killed in front of them. Horrible civil war that they had in South Sudan. So, Actually, Ellen, what else, what's going on in the world? People killed in South Sudan then second only to World War II, actually, in terms of ethnic genocide. Now, Mao wow. and, and, and other people killed more people, but it wasn't based on ethnicity. Well, okay, cousin by marriage, Josh Mandel, a stop clock is right twice a day, and he is saying that Bitcoin is now going to be acceptable money to pay your taxes in Ohio. He said it gives Ohio people more options. It's the first state to do that. Is he so, the Ohio yeah. Secretary of the Treasury or something? 
He is the treasurer of the state of Ohio. Huh? Don't even ask me how that happened. But okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. okay. So Bitcoin. now in Mississippi, oh, the other place that I've spent a lot of time, uh, uh, and we do know that uh, Cynthia Hyde-Smith won over Mike Aspie. Hmm. She won 53.9% as opposed to his 46.1%. That's a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and we were hoping that it would be closer, but it wasn't. Obviously. Well, you know, Mississippi is at the bottom in income, at the bottom in health care, in the bottom of the United States in infant mortality and maternal death, and at the bottom, I mean, literally, zero, 50th, uh, at the bottom in college readiness. Um, it's one of the most poorly educated, poorly cared for, poverty-stricken states in the union. And sadly, Fox News and Right Wing Hate Radio are everywhere. And, well, it's and, very interesting. I think that Shalene and I are going to go to Mississippi when she's done with her residency because she wants to deliver babies and I want to educate people. Well, that's cool. They, they need you. They need you. Yeah. So what okay. else is going on in the world, Ellen? So we have a G20 happening in Argentina, and President Trump is going to be meeting with President Xi. Now, according to the White House briefing yesterday, it was the first briefing the entire month of November uh, by the press secretary. But she said that intellectual property is going to be top of the hit parade. There are no tariffs. The president wants zero subsidies, uh, and we'll see what happens, whether the president is able to make any uh, ongoing abilities there. I just don't know. Wow. Now, also, it's very interesting. Paul Manafort, we don't know whether he met with Julian Assange. We do know that the U.K. would know about that. Now, I have been to Julian Assange's, uh, and I can tell you that it is literally out the back door of Harrod's department store. And Well, that's so interesting. They, so... Wait, hang on just a second. Your brother was his lawyer for a while, right? My brother was his attorney. Yeah. And, and you, so you visited him, and you get into the Ecuadorian embassy by going out the back door of a department store? Well, basically, I delivered some food there when I was there a year ago uh -huh. to him, um, and I, just, I went to the back of Harrods. And I walk to the back of the embassy, and obviously they can tell you're coming in. I mean, uh, you don't okay. need to be a rocket scientist. Okay. So, so the surveillance is, uh, you know, the British, British intelligence would know if Paul Manafort was there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Okay, now, uh, it's very interesting. The U.S. government has talked about botnets. They uh, actually have eight individuals implicated in that. 31 domains have been overtaken. They have arrested three people in countries, but we don't know which pe three people they are, and we don't know which countries they are. Botnets. You're, what, what, what's going on with this? I don't, I don't understand. Well, a botnet is basically, th this is the way that they have... Uh, it's like, isn't that like a network of computers that have been infected and seized by yeah, malware? Exactly and, exactly. and And they swarm on things? Right. And then they, they impersonate people. Ah, okay. Remarkable. So the authorities, is this U.S. government that's cracking down? It's the U.S. government that's trying to go after them. That's, that's remarkable. Ellen Ratner with Talk Media News, brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Ellen's new book. Ellen, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great talking with you. Say hi to Sholene for us. Will do. Okay. Thank you, Ellen. Today we're reading from a book by Elizabeth Holtzman, one of the former U.S. Congresswomen who sat on the committee that considered impeaching Richard Nixon. And this book is titled The Case for Impeaching Trump. Just came out. This is from the first chapter titled Impeachment. When Donald Trump's presidential election victory was announced in the early morning hours of November 9, 2016, like many Americans, I rubbed my eyes in disbelief and dismay. Two questions raced through my mind. What had become of America? that a man so unfit, so small-minded, so mean-spirited could be elected. A man whose ethnic and racial bigotry had set the stage for his presidential run when he called Mexicans rapists and made racist birther attacks on President Barack Obama, whose vulgarity and misogyny were laid bare in the Access Hollywood tape when he bragged about forcibly grabbing women by their genitals, whose performance at presidential debates showed him not only flagrantly ill-informed, but manifestly unwilling to get informed. My second question was how much harm this man would do to America as its 45th president. I have my answer now to the latter, less than two years after the election. President Trump has damaged American democracy far more than I would have guessed. 
He has refused to protect our system of free elections from foreign interference. He has relentlessly attacked the administration of justice, in particular the investigation into a possible conspiracy with Russia regarding the 2016 presidential election, putting himself above the rule of law. He has failed to separate his personal business from the countries, flaunting the Constitution's requirements. And he has violated the constitutional rights of the people in separating children from parents at the southwest border without due process of law. And to cover up these misdeeds, he has systematically lied to and assailed the press. These are great and dangerous offenses that the framers of our Constitution wanted to counteract and thwart. They provided a powerful remedy, impeachment. Many tremble at the word, fearing how President Trump's supporters will react to an impeachment inquiry, worrying that it will only further polarize an already deeply divided nation, or that there will not be enough votes in the Senate to convict him if the House of Representatives votes to impeach. Just calling for an inquiry will be viewed as a Democratic Party attack on the head of another party, a kind of coup d'etat. It's easy to find reasons to be anxious, but I'm not afraid. As a junior congresswoman, the youngest ever elected at that time, I served on the House Judiciary Committee that voted to impeach President Richard Nixon for the high crimes and misdemeanors he committed in connection with the Watergate cover-up and other matters. Through thorough, fair, and above all, bipartisan, the committee acted on solid evidence presented in televised hearings that riveted the nation, handing us the blueprint for how impeachment can be successfully pursued today. In our 225 years of constitutional democracy, the Nixon impeachment process has been proven to be the only presidential effort that worked. Though Nixon resigned, the only president ever to do so, two weeks after the committee's impeachment vote, he did so to avoid the certainty of being impeached and removed from office. We became a better nation for having held the president accountable. All of which raises two further questions. Should we be considering the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump? Will we again become a better nation by pursuing that option? To answer, we need to set aside President Trump's unremitting attacks on the environment, on our close allies, on the Affordable Care Act, and any disagreements we have over policy, as well as any personal animus, and simply ascertain whether he has engaged in the kind of egregious conduct that would meet the constitutional standards for impeachment and removal from office. This means we have to focus sharply on his potentially impeachable offenses. In doing so, we will find it useful to compare them, when possible, to similar offenses by President Nixon, found to be impeachable by the House Judiciary Committee in 1974. Here is a list of some of President Trump's potentially impeachable offenses developed as of this writing. A possible interference with or obstruction of the administration of justice and an abuse of power. On May 9, 2017, Trump fired FBI Director James Comey, who is investigating both his national security advisor, Michael Flynn, and Russia's connections to the Trump campaign in connection with influencing the 2016 presidential election. Two days later, President Trump admitted to NBC's Lester Holt that Comey's firing had to do with that, quote, Russia thing. In other words, President Trump acknowledged that he was trying to shut down the FBI investigation into his own possible conspiracy with Russia. Flynn has since pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. The Comey firing uncannily echoes Nixon's firing of the special Watergate prosecutor for seeking highly damaging information about that president, a brazen defiance of the rule of law that triggered the start of impeachment proceedings against Nixon. A second possible interference with or obstruction of the administration of justice and an abuse of power. President Trump has persistently and publicly attacked those heading the Russia investigation, including Special Counsel Robert S. Mueller III and Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, and has repeatedly condemned Attorney General Jeff Sessions for recusing himself, suggesting that he wants to fire any and all of them in order to get control of the Russian investigation. He actually did give an order to fire Mueller. The case for impeaching Trump by Elizabeth Holtzman. Holidays are brutal if you're trying to maintain your weight or even lose a little. All those tempting goodies at the office and get-togethers, I want you to try Ridgizone. I've been telling you how well it works for my wife. Louise wanted to lose a little weight with a wedding coming up. She read about university research and how one particular molecule helps regulate appetite. Ridgizone is designed to boost levels of that one molecule, your metabolism too, so you stop craving the wrong foods, like too many holiday sweets, and you burn calories faster. 
With her appetite and cravings under control, she said losing weight was easy. She has more energy on her hikes and she looks amazing. Listen, when diet and exercise aren't enough and you want to lose the weight you've been struggling to lose, even over the holidays, get non-prescription, FDA-accepted Riduzone. While supplies last, you can use the promo code TOM, as T-H-O-M, and receive 30% off plus free shipping. Go to tryriduzone.com. That's try, T-R-Y, Ridu, R-I-D-U, Zone, Z-O-N-E.com. So don't forget, while supplies last, use the promo code TOM and get 30% off plus free shipping. Tryriduzone.com today. Tom Harmon here with you, Congressman Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman, welcome back to the program. I am here. Hey, Sorry, Eureka. Sorry that, Tom. So uh, what happened in your meetings this morning? So all we've done so far really is elect the new caucus chair by an eight-vote margin. It was a close race between two good people. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries from New York has been elected our new caucus chair over Barbara Lee. Eight-vote difference, very close race. Both members of the Progressive Caucus, Barbara Lee, uh, part of our leadership team, Hakeem, a standing member. So, you know, in many ways, it still was a win-win for us, but we really, you know, a lot of people were concerned about having diversity. We've never had a woman in charge of the caucus. We've never had uh, an African-American woman in leadership. But Hakeem Jeffries came in my class six years ago. I would argue the best order of all the Democrats. He's great on the speech when he's talking. And I literally just got back from that, so I really apologize. No, no, it's all good. You've got a job to do, and it's a really important one, and we appreciate your coming on the show. I'm curious if you want to just, I mean, we can jump right into phone calls if you'd like, or if there's anything that you want to do to set the, the segment You know, up. I don't want to take away from the callers, so let's just go ahead and start that. I appreciate it. Okay, great. Carl, watching Free Speech TV in Ocala, Florida. Carl, you're on the air with Congressman Bokan. Thank you. I uh, appreciate you taking my call. I wanted to ask about... Um, I'm really, really, really concerned about this, I think, unlawful appointment of the acting attorney general. And I think there was a lot of comments and some actions, but there was a legal action filed in a federal court in Maryland. And I've heard nothing since that was filed about what the outcome is or has it been heard or anything. Hmm. Yeah, Carl, I, I don't think there has been an outcome of it yet. I know that we already are talking about when uh, on January 3rd when Democrats take charge. If something has not been resolved around this, uh, we're going to start uh, hearings, including uh, talking about this, because uh, he's never been appointed to anything. He's clearly had an opinion about the Mueller investigation. There's a whole lot of things that do not make him uh, an unbiased, qualified person to be the next attorney general and other issues I think we've seen in the, in the media. So we'll make sure we're fighting it. But right now, I don't believe there is any resolution yet on the court case. The Republicans are so good at taking a single talking point and turning it into a monster, you know, like they do with Hillary Clinton in her emails, even though George Bush and Dick Cheney used a private server throughout their presidency all eight years and five million emails vanished at the end of that presidency. Nobody ever even brings that up. Right. But similarly, Whitaker, the Constitution clearly says that the senior advisors to the president, which would be the people in his cabinet, have to be confirmed by the Senate. And the only one time in history that a cabinet member was appointed to be attorney general, uh, coincidentally, was by Andrew Johnson in 1866. And that was one of the articles of impeachment against him, was that he put this guy, I think the guy's name was Halstead, he put this guy into office. I mean, that's literally the only time it's ever happened. And the president was impeached for it. Is anybody talking about that? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely out there in a number of media accounts. I've read that. That's great. Okay, so let's pick up our phone calls here. Russ, listening on WCPT in Chicago, and actually Russ is in Hickory Hills, Illinois. Russ, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you, Tom, Mr. Pocan. Hey, Mr. Pocan, you look good when you were on Chris Hayes last week. But uh, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> what I wanted to ask, Donald Trump's in concrete over shutting the government down if he doesn't get money for the wall. What are you hearing? Because you ain't going to get anything out of Mitch, because he's already running scared that he's going to get primaried. What are you hearing about the shutdown? I hear it's very possible. We are steadfast about not giving in on funding for a wall that even the Republicans put language in the last appropriations bill that nothing could go towards any designs after March of 2017, because they know fundamentally in their guts that this is a bad idea. I do know this about Donald Trump. He is a reality show star first, a scheming businessman second, and third, he's the president of the United States. And it is good for ratings to shut down the government. So I think Donald Trump is still going to definitely toy with the idea. The question is, you know, will the Republicans in Congress, who have been a little more adult-like in this area, realize the great expense that happens to the country when that happens? Is there widespread knowledge among the members of your caucus that 
the whole wall thing was something that was presented to Donald Trump by Cambridge Analytica. They had focus grouped it and tested it. They came up with two slogans, along with graphic logos that they presented to Trump early on in his candidacy. One was lock her up about Hillary Clinton. The logo was a pair of handcuffs. And the other was build the wall. And it was a picture of a wall. And he dismissed both of them. He thought that they were crass. He didn't think that they would fly. They convinced him to try them out at a rally. And he tried them out at a rally and the people just went nuts. And that's how we got build a wall. He, he just thought it was a stupid idea to begin with. Um, yeah, and is that widely known? Stupid idea, right? <laughs> it, that's the problem. I do think, remember in December, Chuck Schumer offered money for the wall, which I and others <laughs> were not happy about. Right. But Donald Trump didn't take yes for an answer. So I actually think a big part of this is Donald Trump loves to have the rallies and talk about it. Doesn't actually fundamentally believe it because it is such an incredibly stupid idea. But he loves to, if he can shut down government over it, it looks like you know, that increases ratings. Right. So I always say he's a you know, reality show star first, scheming businessman second, he's the president of the United States third. And with Donald Trump, you never know what he'll do. I do think, though, the Republicans in Congress realize uh, fundamentally it's a bad idea to have a shutdown. So I'm hoping we won't have it, but we're still in those final negotiations. Uh, okay. Amen. Ginger in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I watched a rerun last night of a meeting you had yesterday, <clears throat> some of you had, with the Department of Defense, who is asking for yet another $800 billion because we're in such dangerous times. They just can't make it on the first 800 that that they were given earlier this year. Have you talked about that, and what do you think about their request? Also, there was some just a little undercurrent of, Maybe Medicaid and Social Security should be discussed because they really need this money. Ginger, I'm not familiar what meeting you're referring to. So I think the Department of Defense is always uh, open to having more money, but we're not in that period right now to do that. We do have seven appropriation bills to finish at the end of, I believe, next week. Homeland Security and the wall being the biggest one, but I believe defense we already did finish through September 30th. So it may be just that Again, I don't know the meeting you're referring to, but I don't believe there will be any additional allocation for defense, especially in that kind of a level. Okay. Is there a debate within the Democratic caucus about how defense should be funded? I don't know if there's a debate. I mean, there is strong belief, including by people who are on the Armed Services Committee and on the Appropriations Committee on Defense, that, you know, we just spend too much, that we don't have to be the policemen of the world, and that that money could be spent on better things. And there are people who have a lot of defense contractors in the district and are often going to fight for their individual parochial interests. So we will have a definite debate on that. But in general, I think, you know, this is an area where hopefully we can be a little wiser as a general caucus on defense spending because uh, we spend so much and then, you know, the president's wasting some right now at the border. Yeah. I remember William Proxmire and his Golden Fleece Awards. Maybe you should yeah. reprise those. On the line with us, Congressman Mark Pocan, and we have on the line calls from Pennsylvania, Virginia, Illinois, Florida, Michigan, Washington, California, and Mississippi. Let's start with Pennsylvania. Jared, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, hello, Tom, and hello, Congressman Pocan. I want to talk about Chester County, the county I come from and the county that is being represented. Chrissy Hollohan won election here in Chester County. She will be the first Democrat to represent Chester County in the House of Representatives since John Hickman in 1850s, who was a abolitionist Democrat who would later become a Republican during the Civil War era. And I just want to get my thoughts on Chrissy Hollihan. She's a new Democrat coalition member, and I have some concerns about that, namely the new Democrat policy positions. And she wants to run as a member of the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee. What can I do to push to support progressive agenda and whip up their votes, basically? Because uh, uh, she doesn't support single-payer health care, and I don't know how to push her in that direction. Yeah, so, Jared, part of what we're going to do, working with a lot of progressive groups nationally in the next Congress, We've put a sizable amount of money aside to do some polling and focus groups to convince people who have districts like this that their constituents actually believe in progressive values. So there is a Reuters poll now about two months ago 
that showed 70-plus percent of people supported Medicare for All, including 52 percent of Republicans. And we know this to be true on most issues that are progressive issues. The people agree with us on the issues, and yet more centrist corporate special interests in Washington will try to convince people to go the wrong direction. And I think we need to do is show people that they have constituents, so you contacting your member of Congress and your U.S. senators and having your friends in any organizations you're with doing the same helps to solidify that message. We'll give analytical data that shows that progressive issues are what their constituents believe, but if they hear it from their constituents, that's another way to deliver that message. But it's going to be important to do that from the very beginning with any of these new folks in, because trust me, in Washington, the special interests will try to capture them immediately and try to twist their thinking. And uh, the best thing, uh, without question, is having your constituents tell you what they believe. So uh, whatever you can do on that front would be very helpful, Jared. Great. David, listening on our iHeartRadio affiliate in San Francisco, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, morning, uh, Tom, Congressman. Manafort is in the news today in three different ways, and I'm just wondering if you could prioritize which of the stories is uh, most significant. Of course, there's two of the stories have to do with whether or not he met with Julius Assange, but the third has to do with whether or not there was collusion between Manafort and Trump's attorneys. And if there was, then that would be a very significant violation of suborning witnesses or destroying evidence. So I wonder if you're familiar with the three stories and want to take a stab at it. Yeah, you know, I think I concur with, I think the direction you're going, the last story is the most significant And there's a reason why someone like Paul Manafort, you know, who already was in the Trump realm, is going to continue to be unethical and lying and scheming. And that's exactly what was found through all this. And, of course, so is is the Trump family. They continue to operate in the way they operate. So I think that is a very significant story. Again, part of the concern that we have as we move forward with the Mueller investigation, that people are held accountable, that there aren't pardons offered along the way for things. And I think we're all going to need to be on top of it as citizens of this country, working with our national partners that are going to help do rallies and things around the country. We're just going to have to be vigilant because I do think that is a significant story uh, about what happened. Alan in Muskegon, Michigan, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman. Hey, Alan. Yeah, I'm really concerned about Nancy Pelosi being kicked out. We've been talking about having an adult in the room about the Trump administration, and yet there are people who think that we need an amateur speaker. And I am very concerned that removing Nancy Pelosi removes the real adult in the room. Yeah, so Alan, I think there's been two major schools of thought. One has been, look, the November 6th showed us these new faces that excited people, Stacey Abrams and Beto O'Rourke and uh, Andrew Gillum, and that, you know, ideally, if you're writing a novel, you'd have a face like that to go into 2020. And there's a, a component of people who want that. There's also a component that understand on a very pragmatic level that when you have the Senate and the presidency still in Republican hands, and all we have are the Democratic House of Representatives, you want your most uh, talented, experienced person to be that negotiator, of which I don't think anyone would argue Nancy Pelosi can be a very fierce negotiator. So those are the, the opposing thoughts that are out there. I can tell you we're doing a vote this afternoon. My guess is there will be very strong support for Nancy Pelosi. The group that's kind of been leading an outsider's fight really has more come from our centrist wing of the party. I think validly it's been about trying to have a different face, but they're not even on the same page. And, uh, you know, I think I I doubt we're going to have a problem where the dog catches the car and doesn't know what to do with it. I don't think they're going to get that far. So I think uh, Nancy Pelosi will be the next um, Speaker of the House of Representatives. Sherry in Shelton, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. My question is almost, I mean, I'm, I support Pelosi because I believe the leadership is so important. But why haven't we challenged as a progressive party the, the next level down, which I, I think Denny Hoyer is much more conservative than she is, is more bent to support corporations and, and the things that they don't support our values. And I just I just think that maybe where we need to go instead of going after Pelosi, who has been so effective, I wonder why there's been no conversation in that regard. Yeah, Sherry, so I, I think, let me offer it this way. Part of, I spent the last year and a half to two years helping to really beef up the Progressive Caucus. 
we have the most members, but quite honestly, we had skinny arms. And so we spent the last year and a half uh, lifting weights, going on the treadmill, basically taking our 501c3 and 4 entity, and we just raised a million and a half dollars of seed money to have policy people, outreach people to work with all the national progressive groups that there are, uh, have communication staff and others. That's going to be in place by January, February. We're going to have full-time fellows in some offices. We're beefing up our staffing inside Congress. We're doubling our, our membership dues. I just had two new people approach me in the last week who are current members who wanted, uh, of Congress, but not Progressive Caucus members, who want to join because they see the activity we're doing. We're now at a place in the next two years that we can actualize and use that power, but first we had to get to the point to build the power. We did that. That is uh, accomplished. Now, with the new organization we put together, we're going to have about 16 people instead of one as staff to help us do this. We can take it to the next level, which includes looking at all leadership spots and being in a really better position than maybe we were right now. So I look at it as three-quarters of a glass full. We've got lots of potential. We just weren't quite ready for this moment. And we're going to be ready for the next moment because of all that we've built over the last two years. Monty in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks so much for taking my call. Listen, I hope Pelosi gets the nod. Uh, she led the biggest charge in the House since Watergate. So I think it's a no-brainer. So I hope that goes well. But my question for the congressman is, you know, the Republicans do such a good job of using sound bites, lying. And when it comes to the border wall, I don't know why the universal message for the Democrats is not Donald Trump's words. He said over 50 times that Mexico will pay for the wall. So why not use those words against him and say either the president is lying or he can't close the deal? Why is the onus on Democrats don't want to fund the wall when his words were Mexico will pay for the wall? He rallied on that. He used that as his campaign slogan. Why don't the Democrats universally just come out and say, this is on him, not us? Yeah, I, I hear you, Monty. I'll, I'll tell you, I, I think the most important thing for us, and you are right, they are so much better on discipline and simple phrases than Democrats. And part of it is, I think, because we are a very, very big tent, um, but we need to be significantly better. What I, I think that what you're looking at is how do we bring uh, the folks in, either the progressives that don't vote regularly or the independents that could lean progressive to vote, so we have to look at that. Sometimes I'm not going to convince that 35% with Donald Trump uh, because he has been such uh, a racist in his actions. There is an enormous chunk of that 35% that's never leaving him. And even if I prove he lies, they're okay with it because he still says the right thing that makes them comfortable. But we need to figure out how to bring all the other folks in using that smarter communication strategy or touch. Yeah, on that. Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the U.S. Second District of uh, Wisconsin, Congressman. Yeah. The Second District of Wisconsin. Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. With all the recent news about online security breaches, it's hard not to worry about where my data goes. Making an online purchase or simply accessing your email could put your private information at risk. You are being tracked online by social media sites, marketing companies, and your mobile and internet provider now that the Republicans have destroyed net neutrality. That's why I decided to take back my privacy by using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of my computer, phone, and tablet. Turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. ExpressVPN secures and anonymizes your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. Protecting yourself with ExpressVPN costs less than $7 a month. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom to learn more. Veritas watching us on Free Speech TV in Greenville, Mississippi. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. I had called uh, about a month ago concerning veterans losing out ben benefits, uh, disability, and pension. I just called for an update. I did have a bit of an update. I'm trying to access that part of my brain right now because we asked about it right afterwards. It was specifically around delivering checks, specifically around, I think, some housing issues. And um, I believe uh, that that now, I'm not going to say resolved, but they're very aware of the problem and they're working on it. We have it in our district. And I even checked back with our district, and we had a whole lot of people having a problem. So, Veritas, you did, I think you were the first one to bring it up to me. I appreciate that. I found out talking to 
our district office that uh, people were having that uh, in common. And uh, I know it's been across the country. People are pushing to get it fixed. So I, I hope that that has happened. I don't have a specific update on that, but I do have a specific update that we and many others have raised the issue and are trying to get it resolved. As of last week, the Veterans Administration still, after two years, did not have a chief information officer, a guy in charge of the computers, and it's yeah. the computers that are failing. So maybe that has something to do with Trump's incompetence. There was another issue, too, that was fixable that was part of the delay, mm -hmm. and I, I just don't remember it offhand, but there sh it should be getting better. It is getting publicity. Yeah, when it gets to IT and the veterans, we could have a much longer conversation. I mean, they wanted to start from scratch their electronic medical records rather than using existing systems, and that would have taken years and years and years. There's a lot of things that I don't even understand as a member of Congress why they would go that route. Maybe some uh, big uh, IT contractor was lobbying them. <laughs> Who knows? Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congress in Pokia. Thank you so much for taking my call, Tom, and agreeing to Mr. Pocan. Uh, we definitely need to keep Nancy Pelosi in as a, as a speaker because she knows the ins and outs. Uh, and then hopefully when um, um, Trump and Pence get impeached and removed, she's going to become the first president. And you, Mr. Pocan, are going to take as a speaker of the House. And um, what I wanted to ask you is, you guys have been elected with the mandate. You need to take the gloves off and have an aggressive agenda and a contract with America to benefit the common man. But enough of this playing around with these Republicans. They destroyed this country, the Koch brothers and the Freedom Caucus. You guys have been elected with the mandate, and you need to take a glove off and help America. Thank you. Omar, thank you, first, for your very kind words. That's very nice of you. You know, it would be great if uh, Nancy Pelosi was president. I have no concerns on that whatsoever. I agree with you, and, and I think this is a big part of what the Progressive Caucus is about. We want us to go and be big and bold and, quite honestly, be responsive to the electorate. We know where they stand on the issues. Uh, they support Medicare for All. They support investing in our infrastructure. They support going after pharmaceutical companies who are price gouging. They want us to raise the minimum wage and make it easier to organize in unions. And they want us to have a cleaner government uh, from campaign finance reform to election reform. And we need to be very bold about that. And the good news is I think now we have officially picked up 40 seats, which means we have about a 17-seat margin. And, you know, to be blunt, there are members of Congress who prefer to spend their life in the fetal position rocking in the corner of a room. They're afraid of everything. But 17 seats, that gives us a lot more flexibility to be bold. Kent in Hempstead, North Carolina. Watching us on Facebook Live. That's kind of cool. That's growing. Hey, Kent, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I call my senators Tillis and Burr two or three times a week and have started participating in some of the protests, protests against when they took the kids from the parents at the border. What can I possibly say to those two senators that could prod them into doing some action on protecting the Mueller investigation since Mitch McConnell refuses to act like a, a big boy and let the chips fall where they may. Is there any way other than telling them I'm not going to vote for them and I'm going to do everything to make sure they aren't reelected two years from now, is there anything else I could possibly say that would spark them just a little bit? You know, one thing, um, Kent, I'd recommend is just, you know, the more you can have more voices joining you, whether it's through groups like Indivisible, Move On, DFA, others that are out there, well, that helps you because the more constituents that contact a member of Congress, the more likely you're going to have the impact you want to. I can tell you, and you know, we are fighting hard as part of this appropriations process that has to happen for Homeland Security and six other appropriation bills in the next couple of weeks to get something in there to have us say that we're going to protect the Mueller investigation. We think it's crucial to have that. We're fighting hard to do that. Hopefully the Republicans will also realize that it's in their best interest in the long run to have the right thing happen. It's always hard. You'd think it'd be a no-brainer. But you know, when you talk to rank-and-file Republicans, many of them realize that it would be a huge failure for them if it did go away because it just wouldn't look good. And I think, you know, having constituents tell their elected officials in numbers is the single best way, Ken, to try to have that impact. Suzanne in Beverly Hills, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, yes, my name is Suzanne. Hello, Congressman. Children in cages, and now toddlers being tear-gassed. And what would he recommend Americans do in this country? Should we actually leave to somewhere safer to another country? One of the lessons we learned 
big time from November 6th, is that when we got upset, we came out in record numbers for a midterm election. California, I think you picked up seven congressional seats, overall 40 seats. We picked up seven governorships. We flipped six to eight state legislative bodies. We won all kinds of referendum on progressive issues. We just have to be as active in democracy as possible, not the opposite, not walking away from it. They would love us to walk away from it, and then all those muddied interests will get everything they want. So I just think we got to look at November 6th, see how big we won and how good that felt, and I want that feeling again, and I think we all do. So let's just be more and more active and then try to reach out to more people about the issues you talked about because they're reprehensible, and uh, I think you know we made a lot of progress because of how far they went, and I think the issues you brought up are a couple of the issues that we need to talk to more people about. Lucretia in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. Since I've noticed that a lot of coverage as far as what Ivanka Trump has done with creating the private server has gone quiet, what's going on with pursuing that? Yeah, so Where are first of all, it's amazing, Lucretia, right, that Hillary's emails were lock her up and it's a part of every rally and then, you know, somehow... They went and did the exact same thing. You would think that common sense would have never brought us to this place it did. For one, I think it certainly stops them from some of the rhetoric, although it has it. Donald Trump is still tweeting on a regular basis about uh, you know, Mueller going after Hillary's emails, which is amazing. They think it's a big enough lie. You'll forget about it. But I, I've already heard some of the Democrats and some of the committees that have oversight talking about this. And I think there are really big, important issues. We should talk about this as a great contrast in hypocrisy, but I really want to get to things like the emoluments clause and other things that I think this guy is doing that are detrimentous you know, to our, our country. And, yeah. and John in Morris, Illinois, a quick one for Congressman Pocan. So I agree with you on Nancy Pelosi. She ought to be the Speaker of the House. I also like to point out that a guy named Al Franklin, he should be in government, too. He was, uh, they, the Republican parties really don't like to read his books. And he's got the common sense intelligence that we need in Washington, D.C. Okay, John, thank you. Congressman, the last minute, your thoughts on the week? You know, I think just watch for what's going to happen. We're here for three weeks, hopefully not more. It's their last chance at governing, but watch that appropriations process, the wall funding, other things they might try to do. The good news is we're on top of it right now, but at some point we may ask people to reach out to their members of Congress and show them where grassroots support is. But I think that's the main thing happening between now and next week is the appropriation bill. Last week you said you're concerned about Republicans doing dirty tricks during the, uh, or you know, grabbing, smashing grabs during the... Yeah, we're watching that real close. The good news is they are so disorganized. I mean, the fact that the only thing they got done the last two years was the tax bill, they can't even come up with these last minute things to do right now. So we're watching for it, but we may actually get lucky at the fact that they are incompetent. Yeah, well, and they've got this war with their cokehead caucus. It's pretty amazing. Congressman Pocan, thank you so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom, as always. It is such an honor to have you on here every week. Thank you so much, Congressman Mark Pocan. Uh, his website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. James in Orlando, West Virginia. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Hello, Mr. Harmon. Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, you are a... Uh uh, true gentleman, and uh, you're very intelligent, and uh, I thank you for that and, and sharing it with the nation. Thank you, James. Uh, you're probably aware of this. When Roosevelt was in during the Great Depression, they put on quotas and tariffs on uh, goods and services coming into the United States to protect the American workers. Well, they didn't just start that after World War II, James. That was started by George Washington. It was, it was Alexander Hamilton who, in 1791, was asked by Washington to come up with an industrialization plan for the United States. He proposed it in 1793. You can Google it. It's called Hamilton's 11-point plan on American manufacturers. And George Washington, between then and the Adams administration in 1796, put pretty much all those things into place. And they stood in place right up until basically the Reagan administration. Well, that was my point. When Reagan got in there, Duke Gentrich made a contract with all the wealthy people in the United States that he would bust every union and make every union that he didn't bust so he couldn't help the uh, people that was in the union. And so what they did, they, they took all the tariffs and the quotas off, and it was a Republican Congress, it was a Republican Senate, and it was a Republican president that took all those protections off. 
And what happened was they sent all our jobs to China. When they did that, they allowed them to bring that stuff back into this country over the suffering of our workers in this country. Now, when the workers, during that time, they, they all belonged to unions, and so how do you kill a union? You kill their jobs. That's right. That's what they did. Now, here in West Virginia, we had shoe factories, we had garment factories and all that. Yep. Hundreds of thousands of people lost their jobs. Yep. So anytime you vote for a Republican, you are voting for someone that stabbed you in the back and sent your jobs overseas. So I just yep. want the American people... I, to I agree, James, that. although some wag is going to come along and say, well, let's do a fact check here. It was Bill Clinton in 92 who campaigned, along with George Herbert Walker Bush, both of them campaigned on cutting tariffs with NAFTA. And that was a major departure from Democratic Party principles by Clinton. And the party has not reversed itself yet. They need to. James, thanks for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. And because the party has not formally reversed itself, although the Sanders wing certainly has, Trump has stepped into this vacuum and seized this. Thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Don't forget, in the meantime, that democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was, never was meant to be. In fact, you need to get out there and get active because your voice is needed, your vote is needed. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.